Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's a new episode of Film Detectives. It is. Yeah, we need to make a theme song. We need a yeah. <laughs> it's time to find the movies out. The film detectives give them a shot. It's Elliot Herman and Trevor anything Newland you want, on the anything case. You want. <laughs> Any, anything you want, we will find. <laughs> Your cat is lost. It, we might find way. it. Oh my gosh! What are we like? An educational? Oh, we are educational, actually. We are educational. We are in the education and business. So, but. Elliot, speaking of, yes. I guess you could say speaking of educational, what did we watch this <laughs> I have no clue. I'm still trying to decipher and really dissect what I watched, especially with Zardoz. What was that? I thought Paprika was on, an, on a, Whole a crazy level. level. This is this is on another Epsilon. Like, it, it's, it's... It's... Well, the one thing was we weren't on LSD. That that was no. the first thing. So that that was a that was a dead giveaway. So don't do drugs, kids. No. Don't do drugs. Uh, yeah. So, but with Zardoz, I think like it, it it just was like this mind trip of um, an internalized. I, I I still don't know what it is. Actually, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's a look at like the human motives Intellect. and condition. I feel like yeah, yeah, and what really separates us from monkeys, really, because like what is the factor that propels humanity into a barbaristic tendencies you know uh raping and pillaging whereas compared to the more refined of the eternals that are in the film who are like this advanced civilization and have survived this nuclear war that has happened and it's in the future and there's a lot of people w- running around in pharaoh costumes and and you get to see sean connery basically in a red diaper which is just oh. And oh, a very no. Gimli-esque hairdo, which is hysterical. And he just runs around with a gun and he's like, he's Zed. And <laughs> he's like, I'm Zed. I'm here to kill you and bring balance to the force in a way. <laughs> and they're like, uh, but Ooh, actually, let's talk about no. the penis. <laughs> That's what they're like. <laughs> Apparently, like, yes, the gun weapon. is good and the penis is evil. So go forth and kill. That's basically what the Arthur character tells. It basically tells the Brutals to just go forth and kill and and collect food for the Eternals. So this is John Borman. Oh, first of all, guys, we're delving into the world of John Borman's insane mind, which is yeah, great. We're going to give him an introduction. I know, I know. Give him an introduction. So John Borman was a British filmmaker back you know he he's been around for ages he's still making films still writing producing he wrote and produced uh, and directed i think exorcist 2 he also just recently did he wrote the professor and the madman which is another great movie love it if you haven't seen it watch that movie with mel gibson and also sean penn and it's the story of how the dictionary the webster's or not webster's the oxford dictionary was composed and by a madman in an insane asylum who murdered this woman's husband in england back in the 1800s i believe and how this one professor basically corresponded with him and created the oxford dictionary that we know today so that's a great movie however like 
or step taking a step back into John Borman's crazy career as a filmmaker. <laughs> so apparently I just found out that he originally was going to make Lord of the Rings in 1970 and the production companies uh or basically the studio said it's too too expensive. So he was like, "Okay, well, then I'm just going to do Excalibur." So he yeah. went on to do Excalibur after getting off of uh, doing Zardoz and such in 1974, and then he went on to make Excalibur, which is one of the, I personally think, one of the best adaptations of the King Arthur tale, uh, especially mm-hmm. since it's based on Le Mort de Arthur by Thomas Mallory's famed work, you know, but it's more of a haunting, violent version of the tale itself. Because we're yeah. focusing more on the villains in this particular film. Arthur's kind of cast aside in a way, too, because it, it's really the Morgana Mordred show, which I don't blame mm-hmm. them. When you have an actor as great as Helen Mirren, she just lights up the stage and is such a great actress that she really carries the film, as well as Nicole Williamson, who plays Merlin. You know, you have these great actors and also it was really the start for a lot of careers too. in essence for Liam Neeson for, you know, you had uh, Patrick Stewart in this film. You also had Karen Hines. You had, oh my God, you had so many great British actors that came up through the ranks with the help of this film. That's crazy to see, you know, where, where actors that we know and love today mm-hmm. basically started their careers. Yeah, especially in this particular film. And it, what a way to start it with one of the classic tales of that and one of the classic myths that has been around with humanity since like the dawn of time, pretty much. I mean, it's oh, literally yeah. since the Dark Ages, we've had this story of the King Arthur legend just crop up in multiple cultures, you know, started out in France and then migrated into England and, and really is not an English tale. It's not really an English myth. And England really didn't have any myths until like Lord of the Rings, because that's what Tolkien was really trying to create for England was a myth, a a tale that they could call their own. You know, you have Canterbury Tales with Chaucer, but, you know, like really Lord of the Rings really was like the modern tale that kind of was a culmination of like Beowulf. King Arthur all amalgamized into one epic. And and, and Excalibur basically is that hero's journey that we see in all these giant epics that, you know, we know today. Mm -hmm. It's the, you know, Arthur starts out as the the little boy and he pulls the sword from the stone. So he is the chosen one. (laughs) Gee, I wonder where I've heard that before. Well, Disney did Sword in the Stone from Disney. Like they really commercialized the King Arthur tail and made it mm-hmm. really slapsticky and and goofy looking and didn't really focus on what really the tail kind of means psychologically and also religiously too because mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. a man who basically almost becomes like a god arthur's like this almost half man half god like a jesus figure and yeah. has to you know the famous quote, the land and uh, the land and the king are one. You know, that's one of the famous quotes in the film itself. And it, it's it's true because like with King Arthur, he really gets rid of his humanity to really give himself to 
his kingdom. And what yeah. makes a really good king or leader is they Somebody give cares about they give up their humanity in some respect to make sure that their people and their country are being taken care of and also are thriving. Yeah, it's so, interesting you you say that because for me, you know, watching that, of course, it's an epic, right? And yeah. The whole the whole journey, you know, uh, from the from the sword and the stone to the uh, holy grail, right? But for me, it was like a, the search for oneself, like a belonging, mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying, right? Arthur is at the same time, even at the end, right? You know, when they're trying to find out who Arthur is, and then they have that realization that Arthur is one with the land because mm-hmm. he is the king, but he loses that. Yeah. At one point, you know, he's just a frail, like, oh, what am I at this point type of thing. So right. from the human condition, it's it's also that search of like, who am I? What mm-hmm. what am I? What am I here for type of thing, which we've seen with a lot of, a lot of other directors that we've covered and films that they've done. Exactly. Because, you know, this whole sense of existence and where is our place in the world this comes up a lot in, in this film because you even have it with Percival. You know, he starts mm-hmm. out. Very much like Arthur, a young page and is very innocent and naive about a lot of things. And it's not until he actually matures and goes through hell and comes back and basically dies, in essence, and gives his life that he actually then finds the grail, the actual grail. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what a lot of the other knights, as they're sent out to find the grail to help heal the land and heal. Arthur himself, they miss that aspect of looking within themselves and their own souls and their connection with God and also mm-hmm. their connection with the eternal. That's what I love yeah. about this film because that that timelessness crops up throughout this entire film, especially with the character of Merlin, because Merlin is really represents this man out of time. He's mm-hmm. It's almost like he's a time traveler sent back to the Dark Ages to help steer humanity in the right direction so that they have a king and are no longer slaughtering each other for petty things. Because we see that he, he puts his faith in Uther at first, but it turns out Uther is just your typical guy who just wants to you know kill and, and sleep with anyone he wants and, and take what is, he thinks is rightfully his. And then Merlin's like, you have disappointed me. You, you, mm-hmm. you are no longer my chosen. You are not the one. You are not the one. <laughs> you, you know, it, what's interesting talking about biblical senses, mm-hmm. uh, Arthur could almost be looked at as, uh, from the, from the Bible sense as Moses leading yeah. the people of, of Israel. Exactly. It's, it has a very Christian Judeo Christian feeling to it because like you have as as you that's a great point that's a great connection because you know Moses leads his own people out of He was a baby. Yeah, he was a baby, which Arthur was a baby and then raised and then became uh led the people out of out of Egypt from Pharaoh. Yes. And he becomes almost the king of the Jews in a way. <laughs> in a <Yeah>. sense, <laughs> or the leader of the Jews because yeah, through yeah. him they're able to survive and continue the le- their legacy through surviving the egyptian genocide that was happening during that time so it was literally yeah in essence it that could be an arthurian tale because you know really the arthurian tale crops up in multiple cultures throughout the world 
and they each have like a different type of spin on it. Well, it's like also like the Jesus character, you know, he's he pops up in Egyptian culture as Osiris, you know, born on, you know, as the son of God or the sun God. You know, it's it's like all these connections between religions and cultures. They all have a archetypal basis that it's the same tale, just retold in a different spin on it and meant to give people hope and also meant to give people almost like a moral baseline to follow because this was really like this is the moral baseline of what every man at the time should aspire to be you know a chivalrous man who you know watches out for the weak and it's your classic you know good versus bad you know oh, yeah. sith versus jedi yeah. Orc versus it just has a it just has an incest baby added into there, and you know, it, yeah, that, you that know. turns into I the mean, whole Mordred yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Morgana basically become like um, creates a cloud and makes Arthur believe she is Guinevere and sleeps with them and sleeps with her own brother, and thus Mordred is like the bastard child of Arthur. And, and those are the moments, those are the moments in Excalibur where you can see the influence of Zardos, right? There's the yeah. wackiness and like a little bit of craziness because Zardos is completely just off the rails. Yeah. Where the, it still has a great message if you just kind of like, if you're watching and, and, and trying to grasp what's going on. What I find interesting with Zardos though, he, Borman really sets the stage for Excalibur. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, Zardoz has Arthur is the wizard behind the mask. Because, yes, Zardoz has a lot of naked women and uh, giant heads floating in the, in the, <laughs> around in the does. sky and, and, and spew it. You guys, it's one of those cult classic 1970s sci fi films you know came out in 74 so like people were doing a lot of drugs back then and people would actually play this at parties and stuff on the screen on like you know the wall and stuff and it would just be part of like the background at you know whatever these crazy parties and stuff so the fact that borman with this film sets the stage with excalibur though um you know you see the influence of the arthurian tales and other like greek tales as well mm -hmm. because uh, especially with you know he, there is a connection to merlin arthur is like the merlin character of this film and it's funny because he's now he's just called arthur he's not merlin so mm -hmm. arthur and merlin you know they're archetypal figures that you know when you change the story slightly it's still the same type of character though it just carried over to different tales basically and See, this and that I was going to say, and that brings me to that one thing that I've heard before, and I'm sure you've heard it. There's only a certain amount of sto stories that actually exist. They're just told with It's like 12 tales, and, and it's yeah. just rehashed over and over and over yeah. again, and you just have a slight variation of it. There is a mm -hmm. multiversal tale <laughs> uh, string of thought that hum humanity has really come up with, and the great storytellers have just found great ways to manipulate those basic tales of old and done more modern interpretations Isn't that of them? just fascinating to mm -hmm. just think about the amount of films that it, that exist out there mm -hmm. and if that i mean if, if you agree with that that all these films come from like a small amount of stories originally like that's crazy to think about 
you know, back in the days of old, they had to use their imagination. There wasn't all this amazing technology around. They didn't have video games. They didn't have, you know, the Greeks literally would just put on stage plays and you had the, um, you know, the basically the medium or the oracle telling the story of these tales that personally I think were probably, you know, either passed down from generation to generation. Also, they could have been they could have derived been derived from certain contact with, you know, I'm going very conspiracy with this, but even other entities and alien influence too, you know, um, you don't know. We don't know because there aren't records of of that type of connection but if you kind of trace back a lot of these stories they have that kind of connection to otherworldly um influence so it's it, whether that's a god you know gods or goddesses you know with the you know the greeks starting the basically the really the first modern you know um modern tales that humanity really was able to create and be creative with because they use the tales to give some moral representation of well a put the fear of god or gods into people so that people wouldn't do any crimes or commit crimes you know then also give humanity a moral compass of which to follow you know follow with their lives you know and live their lives by Unfortunately, like every time Hollywood tries to kind of do an interpretation of it, they miss the ethereal, the connection with the ethereal that really and the psychological implications and and meaning behind the story itself. Um, Because it's really you have to look within to actually know thyself. You know, yeah, and and that's that's what I, I love about Excalibur. You know, is not as on the nose as Zardos. Like Zardos, they're straight putting up the imagery and being like, "This is what this is what we're trying. This is what uh, Borman's trying to stay, say in this certain scene, right?" When when uh, Sean Connery's laying on the table mm-hmm. and they're playing all those clips on the wall and everything, and yeah. it's like, okay, you're not trying to hide what your message is here. You're you're straight up saying like. We as we as a society look at sex as like a you know, uh, almost we kind of just throw it away, you know, in in a, in a way that's kind of how the film is, is is talking about it. We're so we're so engulfed by it, encapsulated by it, like mm-hmm. like the the whole thing says, you know, sex sells. Yeah, and I think that's what Borman's kind of trying to say in in the film is that we as a society look at sex as like a. We, I don't think act. we hold it. We don't hold it as yeah. We don't hold it as special. I think is like what the actual the actual doing of of that is. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's a very it's a very special connection between people. Well, in essence, in essence, it's interesting because like the Eternals look at sex in a very scientific way mm-hmm. and are very analytical about it. I mean the the scene where they're showing uh the naked lady on the screen to sean connery's character of zed and they're seeing if he's gonna be aroused and he actually gets aroused by consuela which is that's one of the funniest scenes ever but it's like an analytical sense of sensibility that they have because they've evolved so far that they've forgotten their more primal instincts and their more animalistic instincts because you know in a sense that's what the brutals kind of represent and what Zed represents. So mm. 
But then Zed actually then becomes kind of the medium between the two cultures because he is actually a more the restorative force to the balance between the brutality and the more enlightened race. You know what I found interesting about that scene you were mentioning? To me, that was like when they were showing him all the, you know, all the clips of, of the women and everything. I was attributing that to like how our society views pornography and kind of how, you know, pornography is, is created to be that like what you expect it to be type of thing. But it's, you know, realistic. It's a, it's a totally unrealistic expectation. And that kind of disconnects us from the human actual connection that we have with a person. Yeah. And, and, and where is the love involved? Yeah. You know, it, like absolutely. where the when you leave love out, it it literally becomes an animalistic act and it's just, it means not, there's no meaning behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's no connection to the, to the individual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what Zed represents is that connection between, you know, you, he ha he actually loves Consuela who mm -hmm. I find that her name is, is a very Consuela, <laughs> Consuela Spanish name. And, and she's not even Spanish. She's a, you know, no. she's played perfectly <laughs> by Charlotte Rampling, a very young Charlotte Rampling, but you know, it's, it's like, oh, pick a different name. Like it's so strange. Consuela. And I love Mysterious. how, the, I love how the, their, their friend, uh, played by John Ald Alderson is literally just called friend. <laughs> I know. So what's my name for the movie? Uh, you're going to be friend friend, you know, just a guy who's the friend. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. So the the thing with Zardoz, though, I think there's a lot of lot to unpack with this film because you have such like Borman's really trying a lot of different things in this film, and it really sets mm. the stage for what it kind of culminates with Excalibur. Um, with this, with Zardoz, though, you know, you he ha he's playing around with the more internal world. I mean, he's doing some crazy stuff with visual effects, too. I mean, the oh, way he sure. does mirrors and the technology that the Eternals have and the whole th thing with the crystal rings that the tabernacle is kind of connected to and, you know, it's projecting like almost a hologram, holographic image onto people or onto certain surfaces. For the mm -hmm. 70s, that's huge. It, and it's really cool because it, it kind of pushed the technology of visual effects in a cer certain sense. Because I was like, that's really cool to see that type of technology. And it still holds up. It doesn't look cheesy. At least the ring uh, technology yeah. doesn't. But because we, we already have that technology coming out. I mean, they just released a desktop that you can actually project a holographic keyboard onto a surface and it's all touchscreen. It's insane. I'm like, well, that's right, right from Zardoz. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So the thing is, you know, like with the Zardoz head, you know, it's it's like the aliens coming down to Earth to, again, shape the outcome of humanity itself. And this crops up in multiple cultures where the like aliens or gods come down to populate with us or they try to push us in a certain direction so that we advance as a civilization or learn something that will help us evolve in some way or to just wreak havoc in essence because there are evil entities out there that will try to influence humanity for 
the worse, you know, and and try to push us in a bad direction where, you know, it, it will lead to our inevitable demise, possibly. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, it brought up the point that I, I wrote down here is that it, it, when 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 he's visiting it, the people are very cult like. Mm hmm. It, it even, really is a cult. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I mean, it was just it's it's creepy because I was attributing it to, you know, some of the most famous cult leaders that we have in the mm -hmm. that we've had, you know, alive in the real world. And I was like, this is very similar. And Don't it's, drink it's the punch. Very, <laughs> no, it's very eerie, especially the ending. Yeah. Kill me. Kill me. I want to die. Kill me. Yeah. It's like, well, it's because they can't age. That's the thing. It's mm -hmm. like when they give, when you give up that time clock on your own physical body in this plane of existence, you know, you don't, you lose a certain part of your humanity. And that's what Z Zed was kind of representing is that he brings that. Like we, we need to die. We need to be able to have a, a certain life cycle. You can't live forever because it gets to a point where, you know, you can, you know, the men were becoming sterile. Uh, the women had, you know, there was, th then the population will just dis like disintegrate. It'll disappear. And, you know, I, I found it interesting that with the, what was it? The, um, what are they called the apathetics the apathetics mm -hmm. yeah apathetics yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the the basically the people who are just like um, like cast out from society because they cr uh, committed some kind of crime or they just thought dirty thoughts they're just <laughs> they're just like their their brains are wiped and it's like well and then zed gives them back their humanity in a sense but also, like with with the older generation, I find it interesting that they just send their elders away to just die, you know, yeah. and that's the punishment for going against the tabernacle. And We're it's all about control. This whole film is about how a certain higher power or entity controls the human controls civilization. And shapes it in some way or form. Yeah, you you brought up a great point talking about the the cult group wanting to basically you know the they're eternal and they want to be able to experience that humanistic feel again, all all the feelings that we we as humans experience every second of our lives. Mm -hmm. And it made me think instantly of Wings of Desire, right? Because like they can't die, you know, and they want to have that ability they want mortality they choose mortality over immortality because if you want to be human you know you need to appreciate life in the certain amount of time that you're given here on this particular plane of existence you know the the point is to live your best life here and then go on and ascend to the next plane of existence and start your next part of your journey you know mm -hmm. as as a soul as a being you know, it gives us comfort that we know that we can ascend and become a better person on this plane as well as the next plane of existence. A lot of heavy material here, guys. So. It doesn't seem like it when you watch it originally, right? Because one of them is a, is an epic about a about a a kid that basically becomes king because he pulls a sword out of a stone. Which, yeah. if you if you read if you read that in a synopsis, you're like, uh, this is about like eternal life and the struggle of uh, you know good and evil and and all, and all this and finding oneself. 
And then the other one is, uh, man comes down in giant head, meets Spews people. Spews guns out and says, go kill. <laughs> <laughs> go forth and, and kill. Then, and then at the end, all of his friends come on horses and have pistols. And <laughs> uh, the, the funny thing about Borman films, I got the, my, my main beef with his films, though, the choreography for the fight scenes is so staged that it looks oh it's cheesy. so bad it's like it's so bad oh let's just swing swords around there's no connection and they're like i'm afraid to hit oh, you and then the efforts the efforts <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i i mean i in a certain sense i get what he was doing because especially in excalibur he had all the soldiers have like these huge bulky armor and they, the looks armor, just, yeah. it looks just so painful to wear and move around in that how can you a how can you see what you're hitting and how can you even decipher what if it's friend or foe too it's like you know and that's why like a lot of the armor you know you you distinguish them on the battlefield by their heraldry and also what the shape of their armor as well Mm -hmm. back in the day because you know you didn't have like what we have with video games you didn't have like a battle tag or a battle call sign or whatever and oh, yeah, or, like your name above yeah. your head like i'm this guy exactly you know so you didn't have a ping saying okay that's friend or foe you had to just <laughs> guess hopefully i hit the right guy i i don't know you know oh, so sorry harold <laughs> sorry did i lopped your arm off but you know oh my gosh so but then it's like you know the the battle itself or the battles and then it just is accented by like a chop of the arm or something. I'm just like, really? You, you could have staged it a little bit better. But I think also budget constraints really yeah. hindered a lot of Borman's films because it's like he had this grand vision and very open vision of what he wanted. But then he was only like, OK, we only have one point five mil for this or you know, that's how much he they were he was given for um Zardoz. I mean, he did a lot with 1.5 mil back yeah, in the day. He did. So the fact that he came out of doing deliverance, which he won um he was nominated for an Oscar for for best director, definitely for deliverance, the studio said, like, okay, here's a 1.5 mil, go make whatever you want. And Zardoz <laughs> came said, out. I have a great idea. I have I have this great idea. It's 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 about this floating head, you know? So <laughs> But, you know, with I, I think with this with Zardoz to kind of delve a little more deeper into it, Borman's trying to say is, you know, with with sin, humanity destroys their history. It really, you know, it, it with with this brutality that is un, left unchecked, they will just destroy themselves. And without a certain amount of that balance, you know in your life and and accepting certain parts of your animalistic tendencies as well as you know the whole sexual implications of this film and also the psychological implications of the film you know you really have to have that balance of the two to actually be a better person and be more one with the force in a sense <laughs> so and here you have again in a different setting but the brutals and eternals you have that good versus evil mm -hmm. battle then you have Zed in the middle who's basically king arthur he's an arthurian again an arthurian type character where he brings balance to the, the world he, i know and literally it's it's really interesting that lucas really pulls from i mean star wars pulls from 
a ton of different tales, especially the mm-hmm. King Arthur legend. I mean, yeah. Oh, I, especially the King Arthur legend. I mean, it's just King Arthur in space, you know, <laughs> instead of Jews in space, it's King Arthur in space, you know, so, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's again, just all these different tales that get rehashed and retold in different ways, you know, and a good storyteller will find a way to tell it in a different light or a different medium so that the general populace will accept it better. And also it becomes kind of like the canon of our history as humans. You know, King Arthur is part of our history as humanity. You know, it's something to live by. It's something to aspire to, you know, to become that type of king or that type of leader among men and women, you know, so I have a question for you, Elliot. This is a, this might be a, might be a hot take. I'm, I want to get your, your opinion. Okay. Would you say Zardos and Excalibur are the same story told in different forms with different, different, of course, you know, objectives and things Changes, in mind, yeah. but would you, yeah, but would you say they're pretty much the same story? Heck yeah. I, I really do believe Zardoz set the stage for Borman making Excalibur. That's super relevant. The two have very similar feels to them. And just the fact that the stories are very similar and the characters, yeah. too. He carries the characters over. The fact that Arthur, Merlin, you know, these are characters that carry through time. And that's the timelessness that really it's just like a continuation of this of this story being told um and i think borman's films really focus in on that type of internalized world and more the psychology behind what makes these characters tick and what makes Mm -hmm. them what what drives them in in the story the fact that you know roger ebert even said for Excalibur that it was really villain based. Well, yes and no. I think Arthur is like the center point like Zed, he's the center point of the that binds he's like everything that balance. To, he's yeah, like he's that the balance. glue that adheres the whole balance between evil good and evil. You know, and, and or or the ethereal to or the ethereal plane to the uh to our plane of existence right now you know, to humanity, yeah. the mortal plane, the mortal, the mortal plane. plane. Yes. So he has, and, and Arthur really accepts that role and not at first because, you know, he hasn't matured and understood what it means to be King, you know, and the, once he finds out what that means, you know, he has to give up a certain part of his humanity. He can't love a woman. He can't love Guinevere like he should as a husband. He was oh he even says I put myself as king I have to be king first not mm-hmm. and then she's like not husband king first so it it's yeah. like that giving up of your you have to get you give up a certain part of your soul to make sure that everyone is okay and it's and again it's a very Jesus like character you know he gave mm-hmm. his life for our sins. You know, in, in a mm-hmm. sense, and and it it carries into the Arthurian tale. You know, it's like yeah. he's giving his life of 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 humanity for the people and, or the mortal for his, plane for his kingdom for his kingdom. Which the kingdom, the kingdom represents a heaven, the utopia that we all strive to be a part of. 
in a sense. Mm-hmm. That's what the round table represents. It's a round, the circle, you know, comes up in cultures. Oh, it's, a, all, it's a unity. It's, it's a, a unity. unification. Yeah. yeah. And the unification between man and, and God. And that binds us together as people. You know, I, I really, it's, there's so much to like. <laughs> oh yeah. We're, we're taking that magnifying glass I, and we're yeah. like, we're zooming and zooming and zooming and zooming in. More like microscope, I'd say. The funny thing is, the especially Excalibur, I grew up watching this film. My dad really said, you need to watch this film. Like, this is, the, this is really an important piece of cinema history. Because, you know, no one's really taken that approach to the Arthurian tale. They always, you know, do the typical, you know, the, the plot points. But then they don't really delve into who Arthur was as yeah, a figure in surface. history. Yeah, service level type. Exactly, yeah. and it you know they'll turn it into like a blockbuster film where there's like a lot of action. Yeah, they do the action well, but that's what I don't really miss too much because they're in in Excalibur because they're delving more into the psychological and spiritual realm of what the story really means. And I just think you, that that makes you care more. And from an acting perspective as well, you want that because it allows you to really connect with your character even more. Exactly. Because you have that opportunity to explore those those uh, ideals and, and, and things on the humanistic scale. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's just action stuff, it's fun, but you don't have that. I don't think you ever you really have that connection that the audience is going to, you know, feel to them, to their actual lives. Like you can go to the movie and you can see, you know, a, a high action film and okay, yeah, that was great. But I don't feel like you leave the theater going like, man, that really made me think about something, you know, it was just like, right. oh, that was a good time. It's definitely a thought provoking film. So is Zardoz in a certain sense. Oh it's my a, gosh. Yeah. But, you know, and I did warn you, like Zardoz, like after watching Satoshi Kon's Paprika, you know, it kind of was a primer for <laughs> Zardoz, which, oh, by the way. I found so very interesting note here, guys. If you watch Zardoz, look at how Borman shoots mirrors. The techniques that he does with, uh, especially when Zed is like going through the mirrors, I think it's towards the end of the film or like three quarters of the way through the film where he meets May and is like has the gun and he's like trying to take over the the city. (laughs) He gets into this like basically a mirror world and he it's supposed to be all in his mind but the way that borman does the mirrors is very much like lady from shanghai the way orson wells did it and also satoshi Kone with paprika so this is the connection between those three guys like i'm you know we'll probably post about this as well on our instagram so at, at filmdetectives.com <laughs> at filmdetectives.com uh, yes what, I, I wish we don't have a website at filmdetectives i'll say that <laughs> so the fact that you know, these three directors all kind of actually basically said Cohn and Borman really, I see the influence of Wells in, in them because anytime you have mirrors and stuff, Wells really pushed the whole mirror cinematography aspect, especially in, in Lady from Shanghai. I mean, that was one of his big films that everyone had, like no one had ever seen anything like that before. So mm-hmm. The fact that that lineage kind of carries over into these films, it's like, okay, these directors definitely have studied other directors. I mean, a great director will study other directors' films because, in a sense, you also can do 
different variations of what's been done before. And again, it, it's it's continuing the story, the 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 tradition of cinematography or tradition of of story, tradition of morals and and values that carry throughout film. The tradition of humanity. Tradition of humanity. <laughs> and we talk about <laughs> humanity all the time on this show, so it's only fitting that we say the tradition of humanity. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's still, I think it's just so cool that you have these directors from all different walks of life, and I don't know how many times I've said this now, but it always comes back to this. Yeah. But here we have- This is the know, core. These three films, these three films you mentioned, they all they all have similar, you know, messages and and ideals, and they're they're from directors from all over the world. It's not like they were like right next to each other when they wrote these films, like, hey, you're going to do this? Okay, I'll do that too. No, like- it's beautiful how art art just travels. Yeah, and I, I love that like in Zardoz is like they at the very beginning of the film they're like, is God in showbiz? <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> he kind of is. In a sense, because you know, we have that connection to creativity, you know, that connection with your God or, you know, your creative side, that's and your artistic side, that really that connection is what really makes us tick and and really uh, ha- allows us to create these amazing works of art and and masterpieces in cinema you know in painting and in, in any artwork or form you know art form so you know it's it's only fitting and i think i think the big reason why is because we just don't truly grasp it it's so incomprehensible to us you know incomprehensible to us that the, 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 you know, we, we know about it uh, from religion or, or whatever it may be, but it's like the idea of like eternal life and, and all these other potential, you know, things, it's like, how, how do we grasp that? Because we only know what we know now. You know what I mean? To have that connection to the ethereal, to the, the God entity, you know, you have to it's part of the Arthur tale that you have to give of yourself to actually achieve unification and enlightenment in a sense. So I, I think with these two films, Borman really, you know, a lot of his influence from his own religious background and also his own study of religions and cultures really seeps into these films. And what, what better way to express your, influences than in in film you know that's what these directors do they they you know they figure out okay yeah this is what makes me feel great as a person and i want to share this with the world and you know we saw that with satoshi Kon. we saw that with orson wells we saw that with Mm -hmm. any of the directors that we've tackled vin vendors vin vendors you know especially with vin vendors you know it's like and especially with borman you know it, it it's it's an inherent consistency that can, connects us all as people and as a society, you know? So it's a, it's like curiosity and wonder. It's, it's, it's like, it's like we're becoming, we're becoming kids again in, in regards to these subjects, because they're so just above what we're, what we're capable of understanding that it, it brings back that imagination and that creativity and that, that wonder, you know, that we lose when we grow up. In a sense, yes, as far as connecting with our young, like our more creative uh, innocence, but I think also it's a 
sense of us also evolving and Mm. growing up. That's a part of growing up too, is that you have to figure out, okay, I'm being influenced by all these different, you know, let's say cultures, religions and stuff. And you apply that to your own well-being and and self improvement in a way so that you also go okay well this is what i'm this is the path i'm meant to follow taking in what you experience through life you can't just go through it with like you know your your head in a, yeah you know head in a ditch and <laughs> you know so yeah don't dig a ditch guys so well you could but you're just going to miss out on a lot of things yeah, it's going to get a little dirt but you know <laughs> you need to uh you know elliot i think i think the best way to to sum this up is you need to take your own hero's journey if you like this episode make sure to follow us on social media at film detectives for further news and upcoming shows join us next week as we explore filmmakers from around the world thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.